Hey everybody, welcome to the Truth Produces Freedom podcast. Uh, I'll get into it very, very quickly. Just a uh, quick recap. Last episode, I just kind of talked about my hiatus um, and then the direction I'm going and uh, the new, uh, this uh, season two uh, direction the Lord is uh, wanting me to go. Um, and we're going to be digging into um, uh, the twisting of scripture uh that people do uh, even more, and we're starting big with Romans six, seven, and eight. It's gonna, it's gonna be a long, uh, good journey. Uh, we're gonna dig into this thing deep, and it's gonna lead us in uh, great, great places. Um, and so I'm just gonna continue, go right into it, um, and we're gonna get, we're gonna get uh, things moving along here with, uh, with the Book of Romans and Claire. We're gonna, I'm just gonna. We're going to bring clarity to a lot of twisting that has happened um, about the book of Romans. It is insane. Um, it's very clear. The problem is people don't read the whole letter and they don't, they don't see it as one letter. They don't see it uh, as a whole body of work. And so they rip out these sections uh, out of the context and make all kinds of crazy belief systems out of them. And so we're going to look at the full thing here and we're going to examine what is Paul really saying. And we're, I'm going to, I'm going to bring clarity to a lot of this. So I've done thorough study of it. I'm no expert, but I've just read it a lot. I've read it in many translations. I've done a lot of research. I've studied it very thoroughly. Um, and I'm just going to show you how obvious it is. I'm not going to twist anything myself. I'm just going to read it. Um, go through the whole thing and show these contrasts um, that Paul did that were intentional. I'll, I'll get to that, but I'm just going to, we'll just, yeah. Thank you for joining the Truth Produces Freedom podcast. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, the context of scripture being important and words like therefore, and these words that um, are indications uh, that verses are meant to be read with a larger body of of work um like the word therefore um cannot start a brand new thought um it is a conjunction a continuation um so the the book of romans is one cohesive letter that is meant to be read and understood as a whole progressive writing you can't just read one chapter or section and take it as is without knowing and understanding what is before it and after it. It is not a collection of fortune cookie phrases to be ripped out and made to stand all alone. Chapter and verse indicators. <clears throat> Chapter and verse indicators were only added a few hundred years ago to the scriptures. And though they are convenient for looking up scriptures, as I obviously use throughout this podcast, and while I'm writing my book, or if I'm preaching on a stage or something, I use you know, indicators for locations. Um, they, you know, though they are useful for that, they are also incredibly flawed. It's ridiculous, really. Just how flawed they are, it's, it's ridiculous. Many, many chapter breaks are in such terrible places. N nothing like a regular, a regular book would be. And some verse markers make no sense because they are marking a phrase that cannot stand alone whatsoever. The Word of God was never meant to be read like this. There are so many Bible verses that are quoted where the wording doesn't even make sense by itself. 
It doesn't even make sense. But people, people don't even think about it when they say it. And, uh, and I'm not just talking about taking things out of its context. I'm, I just mean it is plain improper use of human language. Like, it's strange. I want to show you some examples of this. Have you, have you ever heard someone quote a Bible verse starting with the word, therefore? This, this is one of the most obvious. Uh, just an easy example. No, no one in the history of writing or in speech has ever started a completely new thought or a brand new sentence with the word, therefore. I mean, a, a new sentence that's a con in continuation, of course, but, you know, a brand new thought, a whole new subject, a standalone statement. No one has ever started with the word, therefore. You may have heard someone say this before. If a phrase starts with the word therefore, then you need to understand what it is there for. Why is it there? It, it's really not silly or even a humorous phrase to me. It, it's actually incredibly true and, and crucial. If, if, it's, if there's a therefore, we need to understand what it's there for. <laughs> we need to know. It's not a funny pun. It's vitally important. In the scriptures, what I am talking about, what I am talking about is especially noticeable in the letters of the apostles. The word therefore means, this is what the word therefore means, for that reason, consequently. That's what the word therefore, the definition is. For that reason, consequently. That is a conjunction and the start of a dependent sentence, which obviously means that it cannot be an independent sentence. And it therefore, now I'm using it in a phrase, so let me back up real quick. I'm going to use the word as I'm saying, talking about the word. It is a conjunction and the start of a dependent sentence, which obviously means that it cannot be an independent sentence, and it therefore must be understood in light of what was just spoken. It does not stand alone. It is building upon a foundation that is supposed to already be understood and established. So it cannot be quoted by itself and have proper meaning or make real sense. It must be understood in the light of what was just said. It is the same with scripture. It must, whatever we're quoting or reading, it must be understood in the light of what is already said, already established. And I don't know if people just think the Word of God is so mysterious and can't be understood that they just don't even use their brains to think about how proper English language works when quoting when they quote the Bible or, or what. I don't understand. I'm really not sure, but I'm I'm dumbfounded by the by it honestly. I really am. It it, it is it makes no sense to me how people quote scripture um phrases that are complete obviously completely ripped out of a context like saying therefore blah 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 or because of this blah 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 like uh, it's mind-blowing to me anyway moving on um here here are a few scripture examples of these types of words these type of words and phrase and phrases i want to list um yeah, we'll just 
I'll share a few examples real quick. The, the letter to the Hebrews uh, is loaded with these types of phrases that I'm referring to. These are the very first words of each of these chapters. The first word of each of these chapters. So chapter 2, the first word, therefore. Chapter 3, therefore. Chapter 4, for every. Chapter 6, therefore. Chapter 7, for this. Chapter 8, now the point in what we are making. Chapter 10, for since. Chapter 12, therefore. Wow, do you see each one of those chapters starts with words that obviously prove that it cannot stand alone. You have to understand, you have to understand what is before it. It's one cohesive writing. It's like, it's like a movie and if you just jump in and watch one scene from that movie without understanding everything before it, that scene will have completely different meaning than, than what it actually is. You just think about that. Like, think of a movie or a show and then just jump into a random scene and think how you have no idea what's going on. Not, and it will appear completely different than it really is. Just a kind of little example of that. But, so, back to Hebrews, mentioning Hebrews real quick. Let's just look at chapter 12, verse 1, a little more closely as our example. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely. Have you heard this verse quoted by itself before? Have you heard it before, quoted by itself? I often have, unfortunately, I often have heard it quoted by itself too often. But, but reading the start of this chapter or the verse alone makes absolutely no sense and should not be quoted by itself, ever. I mean, read it again and pay attention. Therefore, since we are surrounded... So, therefore what? Therefore what? what? And then, what cloud of witnesses? So, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, therefore what? Why? What's, a there, what's the therefore, therefore? And what, what cloud of witnesses are you talking about? And then he says, let us also lay aside every weight. Why also? What do you mean let us also? What are you, re what are you referring to? Uh, how, is laying, you know, how is it lay, laying aside an also? I, yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. You see how it cannot be quoted by itself? You, you, see how, you see how it cannot be quoted by itself? Now, you can declare a phrase or truth from it as a reference, for sure. Like, I can share and say, let us lay aside every weight and sin, like Hebrews 12 says. Or I could say something like, be encouraged, church. We, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and those who have fought the good fight and kept the faith, even unto death, like Hebrews 11 testifies to us to do as well. Uh, but, this verse, but this verse is not a beginning to end quotable verse that can stand alone. It makes no sense by itself and cannot be understood without knowing chapter 11. 
So if someone who is unfamiliar, like, let's just put this in perspective, okay? You may be thinking, wow, you're just getting a little crazy with this. No, I'm not. Just put this in perspective, okay? You know, it cannot be understood without knowing chapter 11. So if someone who is unfamiliar and does not know chapter 11 of Hebrews, here's this quote. They have no idea what the verse is talking about. They have no idea. They are clueless as to what the great cloud of witnesses and why we should also lay aside every weight and sin. They have no foundation and no context for what is being said. Another example, 2 Peter 3.14. It says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Therefore, what? Why therefore be diligent? Since you are waiting for these? For, for what? What are these? What are they waiting for? What is the context we are to be diligent in? It makes zero sense by itself. It cannot be quoted alone. Therefore, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. It, it makes no sense. Also, uh, the very first words of these chapters in Romans. Romans 2 starts with therefore. Chapter 3 starts, what advantage then? Question mark. What advantage then? Chapter 4 starts, what then shall we say? Chapter 5 says, therefore. Chapter 6 starts with, what shall we say then? Chapter 7 starts with, or do you not know? Chapter 8 starts with, therefore. Chapter 11 starts with, I say then. Chapter 12 says, I beseech you therefore. Chapter 15 starts with, we then. All of those chapters begin with conjunctions and not new thoughts or independent sentences. I know this might seem exhaustive, but I want to really dig into this and clarify these things because it is absurd how much of this is in believers and affecting the truth from being clearly seen and clearly taught and clearly believed. And so I'm, I'm digging into it deep. I've got to. So all, all those chapters begin with conjunctions and not new thoughts or independent sentences. Here is a very common one that people misquote. This is one very commonly that people miss, don't even think about it. They don't even think about it. It's John 3.16. John 3.16. Word for word, it doesn't stand alone quite right. The first word is for. You ever thought about it? John 3.16. The first word is for. For God so loved. The, the proper way that you could say the truth in, in John 3.16 is God so loved the world that he gave his only son? That, that is a true statement, obviously. But to say all by itself, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, it makes no sense to say. Why does it say for? What, would I tell a friend as a, as a standalone new thought sentence, for I am going to buy some tacos? No, that makes no sense. That, that is a continuation of 
of of a, a sentence I'm already uh, in context of what things I'm already sharing and saying. For I am going to buy some tacos. No, that it makes no sense, and not how we talk in human communication. You need context to start with the word for in a sentence like this. There are thousands of verses like this, and I definitely don't, I do not wholly blame the verses and chapters that were added. It, it is an issue, it definitely is, but I mostly blame us, the readers, the people that aren't thinking straight when quoting scriptures and aren't being careful to understand context and aren't paying attention to proper use of human language. The verses and chapters should just be used as reference points through which we can easily find certain things. They are not meant to be quoted as begin verse, end verse, begin verse, end verse. It's not how the Bible is meant to be read or, or to be quoted. If the word because was used to begin John 3.16, it could still make sense in proper human language if we, if we quoted it by itself. But they don't translate it as because, they translate it as the word for, because it is the, it is the Greek word gar, which is a conjunction. So, if, if, the, if the verse said, because God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that would make a little more sense by itself. Because the reason God gave his son, you know, because God loved the world, he gave his son. That's the reason it says because. It's because he so loved the world that he gave his son. But it says for God so loved the world. So they use the word Greek word gar, which is a conjunction. A conjunction which is the bridge in the middle of a greater context and the full thought that Jesus is sharing. Another little example I just thought of is when you, you, you also don't even, when you see the verse by itself, quote it by itself without any context, you also don't even, a lot of people aren't even, they don't even realize, I mean, I hope most people would, most believers would, but Jesus himself is the one that said that phrase, that said that statement. So knowing that context even too of like who's saying it, where they're at, like, What's the story? What's going on? You know, just another little example I thought of. Um, so, it's a conjunction, in the, which is the bridge in the middle of a greater context, and the full thought that Jesus is sharing. And you may say, what's, what's the difference between because and for? What's the difference between those two words? The difference is the word for clearly shows that it is directly connected to the previous words. But the word because wouldn't automatically imply that. Um, the Bible was translated very accurately in these ways where the certain words, the conjunctions, are correct because, because of the, these reasons. Um, in some rare cases, an independent sentence that is a brand new thought could start with the word for, depending on what it says, but never when it's a clear conjunction that is connecting to the previous word spoken. Go back in time to what we learned in, <laughs> go back in time with me real quick, to what we learned in grade school about grammar or watch Schoolhouse Rock. Do you remember the Schoolhouse Rock? Um, and remember that conjunctions are a connection between clauses or sentences. And for us to quote a scripture and begin our quote with a conjunction as an independent sentence 
when it is almost always a bridge to a greater thought, is just not proper English, and we sound we just sound silly. And of course, and of course, most importantly, we are quoting it out of its context and true meaning. The word for in John three sixteen is a conjunction connecting what Jesus is saying to what he just said. You can research more. You can research more on that Greek word gar, and see that it is a conjunction which continues building on the thought that was just said before it, and it means truly, therefore, verily, as the case stands. That word for in the Greek means truly, therefore, verily, as the case stands. So how would I quote the truth of the words of John 3.16 by itself? Because if you're saying, well, that's crazy. You can't ever quote verses like John 3.16. No, no, no. And that's not what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, so how, how would I quote the truth of the words of John 3.16 by itself? Well, I wouldn't personally. I wouldn't word for word. But I would say it with proper English and say that Jesus said... God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That is a true statement that can stand by itself. So I can quote the truth of, of the verse. But if I quote the thing beginning to end as ripping it out of context, it makes no sense and I sound stupid, honestly. I sound like I... Yeah, it, it's silly. Silly to me. I'm not offended by it or anything. I just notice it often and it, it concerns my heart because it shows how much people are not paying attention to context and to proper um, language even. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, so so that, is, that is a true statement that can stand by itself, that I can say by itself. But, but if I have more time, I'm going to share about the verses before it and the verses after it because they paint the biggest and clearest portrait of this beautiful truth. If you look at that whole passage of John 3, it is, it is absolutely beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. But most people only know or quote John 3.16. And the context, of it is beautiful truth. It's our, it's our salvation. It's the gospel. But the context and the, the full picture is marvelous. Jesus gets deep. He gets really deep into uh, the book of uh, Numbers and what happened with the serpents and, and then talks about, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, so you, you may think that I just went on, on a long rant, but that is not the case. Please understand that this is actually vitally important. I'm not, I'm not just trying to correct our grammar. Please don't be offended by this and really think about what I'm trying to bring to our attention. P please hear my heart. Th this isn't about fixing our grammar, but, but it's, uh, it's about paying attention to context and properly understanding God's words. And, and if we are carelessly quoting scriptures and not even paying attention to the fact that it is improper English and use of words then it is clearly being quoted outside of its context and is being ripped from the middle of a full thought and is not a standalone thought. It is ripping phrases of Scripture out of its meaning. That's what I'm getting to. That's what I care about. 
And, and if that is the case, then how much more could we be missing and not understanding with clarity the Scriptures? How much more could we be missing and not understanding with clarity in the Scriptures? Um, if we're doing that and not paying attention to that, I personally, I refuse to quote a Bible verse starting with a conjunction or any clear, out-of-context beginning word. I will, I will definitely quote its truth, what it's teaching. I will quote some or most of what it says, more often, more often than not. But I will not quote a verse saying, therefore, or any conjunction that makes it a dependent sentence. Whenever I read a Bible verse or chapter and it starts with one of those words, I will, I will not continue reading it until I back up and read what the verses say, which are in direct connection to it, uh, unless I am already informed of, of from previous study and know the full context by heart. Unless I'm already aware of that placement, I will back up and I will look at that context and I will see um, what, what the therefore is there for for example, or whatever conjunction is being used, what, you know. Um, so, I will always make sure I know why the conjunction slash connecting word or phrase is there. It's, it's incredibly important. So, so back to the John 3.16 passage. Jesus said this. I'm going to back up to verse 15, and then I'm going to add verse 17. And let's look at how beautiful the full picture is. So, Jesus said this. He said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For, for, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For, here it is, the word again, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. You see how beautiful it is in the full context, the full portrait. We don't just want to see one part of the picture. We need to see the whole thing. Not the, the most important obvious reason is so that we aren't uh, tricked or we're not twisting um, what it says. But even beyond that, seeing the whole picture shows us the fullness of its beauty. For God so loved is a continuation on what he just said. See how wonderful the full context is? Jesus said that he would be lifted up just as the serpent in the wilderness was lifted up by Moses. And whoever believes in him will have eternal life. See Numbers 21. If you read Numbers 21 in that story, and then that will show you an even bigger context and more beautiful picture of what he's saying if you don't, don't already know what that is. So read, pause this and read Numbers 21 about the serpent in the wilderness. And then read John 3. 15, 16, 17, and see, wow, that is, wow. Um, so yeah, um, 
Jesus said, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. He'll be raised just like Moses raised the serpent. And the reason why, he says, the reason why this will take place is because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that, so that like the Israelites who were healed when they looked upon the serpent on the tree, we too might have life when we look at the Son of God on the tree and believe. That is so beautiful. There is so much more to the story and life behind John 3.16. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. You notice how even the verse immediately after verse 16 starts with another four. Verse 16 is sandwiched in the middle of a complete thought. This, this is just an easy example and not by any means an extreme one. It's just an easy example to use to, to, to paint that full picture and how when we just look at one part, we're not seeing fully clear. Um, and even at times, we'll still see something that's true in there, um, but we're not seeing fully clear the picture. So imagine when people do this with very ripped out of the context scriptures that have no, uh, that, are, that are so twisted when you don't see the full picture. Um, so that, yeah, this one in John is no, by no means an extreme one. It's just an easy one to look at that's really beautiful to paint that picture. Um, so, so now understanding this, we can see just how easily people pull out Bible verses out of their context and misunderstand and twist God's word. And as for this John three passage, I, I was just simply pointing out some, some things about, about one, about one paragraph of sentences that Jesus spoke. Uh, imagine the misunderstanding and damage that can happen for entire chapters or entire letters of Paul or, or the rest of the Bible. Entire chapters and even multiples of several linked chapters in the letters of the apostles are connected by conjunctions and dependent sentences slash thoughts. And to rip things out without understanding the full picture is incredibly dangerous and it has formed so many wrong beliefs so many damaging twisting the twisting of scripture that that produces destruction like peter talks about when truth is supposed to produce freedom but the twisting of scripture is going to bring destruction many many years ago i i bought my very first bible with the chapter, with the chapter and verse indicators all removed from the scriptures, it, it is wonderful. I, I absolutely, I love it. I love reading the Bible that way. I, I now, I actually now own three Bibles that are like that: one in the NIV, one in the ESV, and one in the New King James, um, all with no chapters or verses. And I love them so much. I, I love them. They're amazing to to read. I, I do still own and read and love many other Bibles uh, that do have verses and chapters. I own a bunch of Bibles and I do still own and love many other ones that have verse, verses and chapters. Um, but by, by reading Bibles without them, 
I learned and I trained myself how to read them, uh, how to read uh, Bibles with verses and chapters, how to read them just like I do my, my Bibles that, that have the, ver the chapters and verses removed. And I learned how to always read and understand context. It just, it totally changed uh, the way that I see and approach the scriptures. Uh, it's always in my thinking as I read the scripture to pay careful attention to this. I, I trained my mind even, I trained my mind how, <clears throat> I trained my mind how to read straight through the verse and chapter indicators and the headings. I don't even, they don't even exist as far as I'm concerned. Um, and all, all that stuff that are in, you know, common Bibles that aren't just the text itself. Um, my, my eyes literally don't even see them anymore. And so I share that because I, I encourage you um, to buy a Bible without chapters and verses, to learn how to read without their distraction, and to see full context clearly. It is, it is a fantastic tool that can affect your life greatly. I, I honestly... I honestly don't understand why people quote lines from the Bible, starting with words like, therefore. And, and I'm not even saying that we can never quote parts of Scripture that initially, had start, that, that initially started with a therefore. I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying, why would, why would we not think smart enough to say the truth of the Scripture and what that says that we, that we want to quote uh, without saying the therefore that was at the beginning? That's just doesn't make any sense to me. The therefore is very important and we must understand why it's there. Um, but if we ever quote a scripture that has a standalone phrase of truth in it, even if it began with a therefore, why don't we quote the true phrase, the truth within that, um, and leave out the therefore so that we are speaking accurate and normal and proper human language. Like, like about uh, how we are a new creation, for example. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Why do people memorize it and quote it by itself as this? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What? Uh, the therefore points to previous words that are directly connected, that are important to understand to see what new creation looks like, which is beautiful to see and understand. Um, go ahead and look if you want to. I'm not going to get into it. But but in the case of this passage, the statement itself is also true and can still be quoted alone. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is truth. That is a true statement. My point is that declaring the phrase starting with therefore is just silly and improper. And, and we honestly sound stupid when we do such things. And... First and foremost, we should want to see what the therefore is there for and understand the full context of, of, uh, of what new creation life looks like, why Paul has said this. So that is, that is definitely the most important. But then second is we don't want to sound, we, we want to quote and we want to declare truth properly in proper language. We don't want to quote out of context we want to declare the truth of what it says so we can still quote truth um that does stand alone but but if it did have a conjunction before that part um 
that's just, yeah, we should, we, we just should be more aware of those things. Um, because if we're not paying attention to that, there's probably a lot we're not really paying attention to in the context. Um, I, I wanted to mention this important subject to me, um, before we really dig deep into some important things in Paul's letter to the Romans, because we are going to bump into some of the most ripped out of context and misquoted scriptures that we have ever heard. And, and as we go through the passage and teachings of Romans 6 through 8, we will pay careful attention to all of its words and context. As we just examined, we, we saw how Romans 7 starts starts with, or don't you know? And Romans 8 starts with, therefore. And sandwiched right in the middle of these is one of the all-time most, most misunderstood and twisted passage of Scripture in all of the Bible. And in a smack dab sandwiched right in the middle in a, in a place which cannot stand alone without the clear teaching and the truths of Romans 6, the beginning of chapter 7, the end of 7, and Romans 8. And right in the middle there is sandwiched this, these verses that people rip completely out. And it, it's nonsense. I, I want to thoroughly break down the whole teaching and show you what Paul has to say about our freedom from sin and our empowerment to go and sin no more, just like Jesus commissioned us to. And, and thoroughly explain and walk us through the misunderstood passage and end any confusion. Be, because with a little bit of thorough examination, it is actually incredibly clear. It really is absolutely crystal clear when you examine the full context and see what Paul is really saying here in the passage in relation to his full teaching. So... That's going to wrap up this episode. I know I keep saying I'm going to start digging into it, but this is just, you know, the just really the big introduction, some important things I really wanted to talk about and about context and everything first. Um, and we're really going to start digging into it now. So I keep having these kind of cliffhangers. There might be some sort of cliffhangers in, in uh, these episodes, but... Um, it's just how it's going, but, um, thank you for listening, uh, to the truth produces freedom podcast, uh, podcast. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, the Lord loves you so much. And I pray that truth would make you free, that you would, um, experience his glory, um, that you would dig into his word and see context. If you want to read this passage with what I just talked about, um, in mind now, about context um hopefully that maybe brought some revelation to you of of how we approach the scripture if you want to read romans 6 7 and 8 before we start digging in please do um it is amazing it is crystal clear and so um yeah uh thank you for joining and uh we're going to dig in uh to romans 6 uh in the next episode so thank you again Thanks again for joining this week's episode of the Truth Produces Freedom podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Jonah Smith Preachings and Teachings. You can comment, uh, send me a message if you have any questions or if there's anything you want me to uh, um, talk about on the show. Um, and uh, I'm also on a WordPress blog uh, and I'm on YouTube as well. And those are going to be under uh, 
Truth Produces Freedom podcast. And you can get this podcast anywhere that you find podcasts. Uh, please like, subscribe, and share with people just so more people um, can get the podcast and hear um, the truth that's going to make them free. I just want to see people set free and walking in their identities. identities. So thank you so much for uh, joining, and uh, may God bless you in Jesus' name.